God is a sending God. He has been sending people from the very beginning of time. And that sending nature of His culminated when He sent His Son, and now that Son has taken up His Father's habits and has sent you and I. We can see God sending from the earliest chapters of the Bible. Right there from Genesis 12:1, He told Abraham, Go to the place that I will show you. And then in Exodus 3, he said, Moses is, confronted, he said, Moses is confronted by a burning bush. And there in Exodus 3, he says, I will send you to Pharaoh. And then in Judges, he told Gideon, have I not sent you? You can go through Scripture and you can see that God is all about moving people from this place to that place to accomplish his purpose and his plans. And he intentionally places people in the right place at the right time. Esther you know, where we have that famous line, for such a time as this, you have been placed and there in the king's quarters to save the Jews from disaster. God sent, he sent prophets to warn, to rebuke, to counsel kings and leaders. He is, and in his sending nature, it hits his supreme expression when he sends his son to earth. And Jesus understands his mission because he, is, he says in John 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, and then he goes on further and he goes, I send you. I send you. But you and I are not the only ones that Jesus has sent. In John 16, um, 7, he states, but I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, I, I, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go to you, I will send him to you. So the father sent the son. The son has come. He has done his mission. And then he sends the Holy Spirit, the helper. Since God is ascending God, who has sent his son, who has sent the Holy Spirit, should we not reflect his sending nature? Do we not say that we as disciples are supposed to be becoming like the Father and the Son? We're supposed to be being transformed into the image of Christ. Now then, if Christ is a sending Messiah, and we say we want to be like Him, then the question is, am I seeking to know where He sent me? Being sent is something we want to make a big deal of here at Crossing. We talk about equip and send and serve, and we want it to be real in our lives personally. We want it to be real in the life of our church. And can you say that you truly honor God and that you reflect His nature and His attributes if you don't embrace and seek His serving nature? This goes back to one of our recent sermons where we talked about church is not all about us. That you don't come in here because you're here for you. But you come in here because there's someone around you that either can speak truth to you and encouragement to you, or else you can do likewise back to them. So church is not all about us, and being a Christian is not all about us. Our, our saved lives, this life which we now have in Christ, is not all about us soaking up goodness of God and all the blessings of God and just rolling around in them on the couch enjoying it. You know what happens to a sponge? 
don't you? I mean, you, you can't just keep soaking up more and more and more and more water. At some point, the sponge has soaked up all that there is, and now it is just a wet, sloppy mess sitting in a dish or in a bucket, and it has no purpose anymore. A sponge was made to absorb water. But once it has fully absorbed all the water it can, that sponge is of no good anymore. There are a lot of Christians that are saturated sponges who have soaked up all the blessings they possibly can and are of no good use until until they find that they are being sent to some place or some person and they go to that sentness, they go to that place where their God has purposed them to be there and in being there, they feel themselves being squeezed and the moisture leaving them. And pretty soon, in some situations, you get everything squeezed out of you really fast, don't you? Can I get an amen? All right, that's good. Y'all keep that up, all right? You just feel that squeezedness. That's a real word, too. I want you to know that squeezedness. For those of you who keep in a catalog of the words I make up, squeezedness is the latest one. You just feel that sponge being squeezed, and you feel yourself being, like, drained out. And then you come back into his word. You come back into his people. You come back into the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you begin to absorb all over again. And then you have something to give again. But if you're just going to stand there and soak it up, you are a mess. You are just a wet, sloppy mess. Praise the Lord. You are just like a mess until you put yourself in a place where God wants to use you. And you feel yourself again being used and being squeezed and having that moisture put out of you until you can be in a place where you soak it up again. Being sent is where we are wrung out, we are used up, we are most effective, and we can begin our job over, all over again of soaking up God's Word and His richness. Now, some of us have been in the local church for so long that you're sitting here right now and you're saying, I ain't going nowhere. Now, ain't is a real word. I don't care what the dictionary says. Especially if you're trying to be sassy. Ain't is a real world. And you're saying, I ain't going to Africa. I'm just not going to do it. You're not going to get me there. I ain't going to go to Guatemala. I'm just not going to do it. I ain't going to go to Guadalajara. I ain't going to go to Guadalupe or Grenada either. I am not going. I am just not going. That's what you're saying. I won't even go to Kensington. It's not safe. I'm not going down there. Well, it's a good thing that those pioneer missionaries like David Brainerd didn't feel that way, or you'd be walking yourself straight to hell right now. Because someone got uncomfortable so you could hear the gospel. Someone got uncomfortable and got wrung out so that the gospel was there waiting on you when you got there. Someone didn't say, I ain't. Someone said, Here I am, send me. And when you arrived, the gospel was there waiting on you. 
But you see, as one of our core values, being sent is not a tri- about a trip. It's not about going somewhere. Actually, it's really pretty rare that we go somewhere. Most of us in this room are not going to be going anywhere. We know that. And that's not wrong. We have missionaries that we support. We have Valerie Althaus. We have Russ and Midday. We have Rich and Carol. We have Lucas down in Haiti. Then I, we have Crossing Cultures International, Dave Nelson, and the missionary, the, the national pastor we support in Indonesia. We have all of those people that have gone, and we support them. And so that's not something, we're not talking about not doing that. We're talking about what the rest of us are doing while we're staying here. But look at how many of us are here today. We, too, are sent people. Most of you will go to work tomorrow. Therefore, you're sent. Most of you will be around neighbors tomorrow. Therefore, you're sent. Matter of fact, Mrs. Mrs. Hartlip, Mrs. Hartlip, Ruth Hartlip, she lives right here at the friend's home. And she is sent to that home where she lives with 30 other folks there in that home. And she does a Bible study to anyone who wants to come and hear the word of God. She is sent there. She understands that and she embraces it. Others of you have done the same thing in your neighborhoods, your workplaces. You've arrived there. You've said, okay, well, this is where I'm at. I'm going to do a Bible study with whoever shows up. And you open up the Word of God, and whoever shows up, you've been, you understand that you've been sent to them. You'll go to the gym. I, I'll go to the gym one time this year. The rest of you might go a few times this week. See, that's why gym ministry is not my thing. You have to go more than once. But Brew Baker goes to the gym every day? A lot of times. A lot of times. Brew Baker goes to the gym a lot of times. And he has enough relationship there at that gym that he has, it's been an avenue where he understands he was sent there. And he has even done the funeral of one of his gym friends by being in relationship with them and being sent there and understanding that he was there for a purpose. What are the relationships? Where are the relationships? Where are the places that God has sent you? Talk to me. Where are the places you go on a regular basis? Where do you go? Terry goes to work. Terry understands that when she opens up her mom, mom's bakery, um, cook, uh, pizza, uh, sandwich, that place that makes really good food, when Terry opens up the doors in that place, people come in and they sit there and eat their sandwich. And I've walked in on discussions and I said, so are they a believer? No, uh-uh. but we, she comes in and she talks to me about faith things all the time. That's mom, mom's take and bake on State Street in Newtown. Just want to get that right, all right? Who, where else do you go? What is the regular places you go to? Talk to me. See, I had a few of them up there a minute ago. Doctor, dentist, plumber, whoever. Where do you go? Talk to me. Where do you go? This man right here, Dave. Dave I, I'm going to pick on your brother, okay? All right? You see, Dave has a cane. And you watch him today. If you're mad at me after the service, I can take it. We'll talk, all right? You watch him after the service day. Or you watch him when he walks in. And when Dave gets out of that chair, he's, he's going to wobble a little bit until he gets his bearings, and then he'll walk. Do you walk to the grocery store every day? Yeah. yeah. 
as long as it ain't raining. This, this gentleman right here who wobbles with every single step he takes walks to the grocery store, get exercise. He knows all those people at the grocery store. And they know him. How many Bibles have you given away, Dave? Uh, well, I just told Monday, uh, 20 to me and the men in uh, Afghanistan. So. Well, locally, to the grocery store. How many Bibles have you given away up there? Well, I've given them to people in the uh, mall. In the mall. You give away, when you go mall walking, you give them away in the mall, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you, did you know any of those people before you started going there and mall walking? No. No. Do you, do you see those people regularly now? Most of them, yeah. So here, here it is. This is a guy, and I'm, I'm picking on him, and, he, and I'm saying it with all the love in my heart because I admire him and respect him so much. But I can walk a lot better than Dave can, and I don't walk to the grocery store, and I don't give away Bibles there, and I don't give away Bibles at the mall. This man understands that he was sent to those places. He understands that. Who else? Where else do you go on a regular basis? I'm not... Karate class, excellent. Karate class. I do that all the time myself too, yeah. What else? Where else, where else do you go on a regular basis? Someone talk to me. Airplane. Airplane. Yep, that's right. Flying back and forth, right? Where else do you go? Hospital. Hospital. Yeah, I, well, if you're a Gilardi, that's what you do. All right, very good. And a Newman. Gilardis and Newmans, they have a hospital ministry. What else? Where else do you go? Pampered Chef Shows. Excellent. Where else do you go? Dunkin' Donuts. I'm going to talk about Dunkin' Donuts in a minute, and I hope I don't step on y'all's toes, all right? Okay. Where else? Where would you say over here? Breakfast with a friend. Dunkin' Donuts, the coffee shop, the coffee room, Starbucks. You know, there's something, there's something about that, because I value the ministry of going someplace regularly and dealing with the same person all the time so you have a relationship with them. $4 a pop, though, is a lot. That's a lot, right? So... I'll stop there. All right, go ahead. That was about to be an off-script note, which usually gets me in trouble. I won't go there. So where else do you go? Pool. You go to the pool. Exactly. Where else do you, What does this section go? Go to work. Very good. You're on the train every day. On the train every day in New York City. Where else do you go? The playground. Moms, they do playgrounds. Chuck E. Cheese's. The gospel is needed at Chuck E. Cheese's. That place <laughs> needs the gospel. Where else do you go? You teach at the high school. Where? Online. Yeah. I, I don't even understand online games, but I know the gospel is needed there as well. Yeah. What else? Where do you guys go in this section? Government agencies. Where you work. You're working with all kinds of government people. That's right. Where else do you go in this section? The baseball field. Yeah, yeah the gospel is needed. Oh, mercy. I'm sorry I opened that up to my staff. Yeah, that's right. So, see, you get the gist. It's like wherever you are, it doesn't matter if you're there every day or not. That's where God has sent you. And it's not that you are there. It's those people that you're there. You're not there to win, you know, Dunkin' Donuts to Jesus. You're there to win those people that you see on a regular basis to Jesus. There is a Chinese food place that I love in Richboro, and some of us have gone there together. And when we walk in, those people know us there. Now, we don't go there all the time, but they have good memories, better than I do. And they go, oh, we haven't seen you in a while. And then we pray together, and we talk about Jesus together in front of them, and they're only sitting right there. But that's, that's a gospel witness, and you build that relationship up. And so it's the people that you're around on a regular basis, or even a semi-regular basis. In a couple of weeks, 
I'll leave my neighborhood, and there will be a collection of parents standing at the corner from my house. They are waiting there for a school bus. I would say that if there's any Christians at that corner, they were sent to that corner. And I've said it so many times, your lunchroom, your cubicles, you know, the bleachers at games, your coffee shop, you guys brought that up, your chiropractor, your dentist, your plumber, wherever it may be. You know, matter of fact, this is how God moved in our life in one of the most dramatic, unforeseen ways, is in 2003, we really thought we were going overseas. And we had been talking, and you might have heard this story before, we had been talking with our agency, and we were hoping we were going to be going to the Philippines. At the same time we were having those discussions, we had a diagnosis of autism. And so that changed those plans. And so we thought, well then, where's our ministry? What is it we're going to be doing? What we didn't know until a little bit later was that when we got that diagnosis and we got involved with the intermediate unit, that we were assigned therapists and aides that amounted up to nearly 40 hours a week. And they were all in our home for the most part. We didn't go to our ministry. Our ministry came into our living room. And so we just lived our lives. And some days it was ugly. And some days it was beautiful. And most of the days it was in between. And we just lived our lives. And then these people that love our kids, you know, just come in our door every day. And that was our ministry. You have ministry like that as well. You have ministry like that as well. Now, I have a tip for you on how to live the sent life. I actually have three of them. I'm not going to charge for them today, but if you want to send something in to pay for them, just donation, that's perfectly fine, all right? But they're going to be based on Matthew 5. Matthew 5. This is my favorite, favorite story about being sent. Matthew 5 is the story of the demoniac in the region of Gerasenes. So if you know the story in Matthew 5, Jesus has pulled up on the shore on a boat, and he arrives there, and there is a man who is crazy. They, just, they don't give his name, his name, the man's name, they don't give his name, but they describe him as such. They describe that he was incredibly powerful and strong, that chains could not bind him, and that he would stay up at all hours, and he would be in the mountains and in the tombs. He lived among the tombs of that region, but he would be in the mountains and the tombs around the city, and it says that he screamed at all hours, and that he gashed himself. And Jesus arrives, and that man sees him from a distance, it says, and it says he ran up to him, and he bowed before the Lord. And the text says, he says something like this, What have you to do with us, O son, O mighty Son of God? What have you to do with us? There's only one man standing before him, kneeling before him. Only one man. Come to find out, the man is demon-possessed, but not by one, but by many. And he says, the demon says his name is Legion, for there are many of us. Jesus casts the demons out of the man. They go into swine, pig herd there, large pig herd. And at that moment, Jesus becomes the most unpopular man among all the pig farmers in the area. Because, isn't it interesting that there were pigs? They were in, they were, they were in a Gentile area. That's why I'm not going, why are there that many pigs in a Jewish area? They were in a Gentile area. 
And all these pigs, when possessed by, this, by these demons, run off the cliff and die. People come to complain to Jesus, and when they arrive, they find this man. This man that we don't know his name, but the man who had been possessed by legion. They find this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, talking, not screaming, talking in his right mind. And they were amazed. Jesus is leaving, getting in the boat. And the man comes to him and says, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And in verse 19, he says, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Did you hear what Jesus said? It says, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. You see, all of a sudden, this man has a story about Jesus and Jesus' impact on his life. And he doesn't say, come along with me. He doesn't say, you know what, why don't you spend four or five nights a week at church? He says, go home to your people and report to them the great things the Lord has done. In that story is the three tips I want to give us for living a sent life. Three tips. Number one, have a story. Have a story. Be able to tell someone what God has done for you. But this is just not all that weird kind of stuff. The, my, my favorite story of someone trying to have a story when they didn't need a story was at a place I worked, and, and there were a lot of Christians there, and only a couple of un folks who are not come to faith yet because this one person did come to faith eventually. But I remember one day at the dinner, at the lunch table, we were sitting there, three or four of us, and this one person all of a sudden goes, Tim, did you know that Jesus died for all your sins and rose again? And I'm like going, that is so weird. Why are you just doing that at the dinner table for no reason at all? Because this person was trying to push something into a spot that it didn't belong into. And that's why people say Christians are weird, because we do those things. Because we try and make opportunities that don't exist. Just pay attention. Because the opportunities exist that we could take that's not weird. And so maybe a better way of doing it may be like this. So you're sitting at the lunch table at work, and someone says like to you, You know, maybe not, they probably won't say something like this at the table, but on, on the side they might say to you that, you know, their mom or their child or their sister, are they afraid of being alone? You know, my kid is afraid of being alone. Every time we leave, they're afraid of being alone. And then if this is your story and you could say it, then you could just say, you know what? I used to be the same way. And the thing that helped me was when I came, when I trusted Christ, I just really didn't feel alone anymore. I learned that Jesus was with me all the time. That's very natural. That works. Someone talks about a funeral they attended, and they're discussing death, and they talk about it. That's a perfect place for you to say, you know what? I was really afraid of dying, too, for so long. Now, right there, just stop right there. Don't say anything else. You know why? Because they'll ask you. (laughs) They'll ask you, and they'll go, what do you mean you used to be afraid of dying? Oh, do you really want to know? 
because the next thing I'm about to say is because Jesus died. And when I learned about my relationship with Christ and I learned that I had an eternity, something to look forward to, and that after I died, there was something waiting on me, I'm not afraid anymore. You see, the cruel thing about that discussion is you put them in a place where they had to ask you. You didn't force it upon them. But those little discussions happen all the time. They happen all the time. That's how a sent lifestyle happens. But there's another part of the story. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, here's another thing I want to... This, this one is free and not on my notes, and I don't think I'll get in trouble for it. Um, story, I keep saying this to us. The story of how Christ has changed our life is so powerful. And I've had so many people tell me, they'll say, well, I've been saved for a while, Tim. And I said, well, when did you get saved? And Linda Floon said, well, I got saved standing out here underneath that tree at a baptism service when I heard someone's story. And I hear people say that frequently about how they got saved at Crossing. Wouldn't a baptism service be a great place to have a friend or a family member of yours who doesn't know Christ? For them to hear the story of someone who was apart from Christ and now had been saved by him? Wouldn't it be great to have you bring a friend to a baptism service like in a couple of weeks where you'll probably hear someone say, I used to be an atheist and I argued with my family all the time about this and then I came to Christ. If you'd love to hear that story, I think you will in a couple of weeks. Do you have anybody in your life who needs to hear that story? Anybody at all? I keep saying that I think that our baptism services ought to be better attended than our Christmas Eve service. So this is what I want you to do. Take out your connection card. If you want to do this, take out your connections card and say, please pray for me about someone I can invite to the baptism service. That's all you've got to say. And we're going to be praying for you the next two and a half weeks, until we are two weeks, whatever it is, until we get there about that person that you are thinking about or about thinking about somebody to invite to that baptism service. So just jot it on your connection card. And then today at the end of the service, put it over here in the boxes. And we're going to be praying that God gives you that person for you to be invited to the baptism service so they can hear about how changed lives, how Jesus has changed lives. So the other part of our story, The other part of our tip is be aware. Pay attention to what people are talking about. Opportunity exists all the time if we're aware of it. And it's it's like this. Have you ever been to the market, been in the market, or or buy a car, and you find yourself... let Let me start with. Have you ever been in the market for a car? You ever been looking for a new car? And so you decide that you want a particular car, and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? So for instance... You decide that you want a Ford F-150. And not only that, but it's a King Cab, King Ranch, quad cab pickup with a long bed on it. It looks a lot like that one right there. And you decide that's the car you want. And you start looking around, and then after you have, like, taken blood pressure medicine because of the price of that car, all of a sudden you're going to find that that pickup is in the parking lot everywhere you go you're going to find out that it's on the road all the time because you're aware of it. 
Isn't it true that anytime you've gone shopping for something, you start doing that research for it and all, all of a sudden you begin to find it all the time. You begin to see ads for it. You begin to talk to people about it. And they'll talk, and you're looking for a refrigerator, and someone says, oh, I just bought a refrigerator. Oh, you did? What did you get? And you want to talk about it? You're aware of it. And so once you begin to pray to God and you say, God, make me aware of the opportunities to talk about my story, all of a sudden you're going to be like going, wait a minute, that sounds like an opportunity. The thing is, is, is when, when you sense that still small voice, when you sense that little thing, you're like going, I think that feels like, a, I think that feels like an opportunity, you take it. If you open your mouth like, and, you, and you're seeking to follow him, and you're seeking to like obey him, then all of a sudden, it's like things come out and they make sense and good things happen. And you're like going, that was so cool. That was so cool. I opened my mouth and God did something really great in that space. But all it takes is like being aware and sensing it and like going, okay, I'm just going to say something. The next thing that happens is that you have to have a story to share. This is what happened to the demon-possessed guy. You know, Jesus sitting back to tell the story of what great things Jesus had done for him. You have to have a story to share. But this is the problem. When we've been sitting on the couch as a sponge, soaking up all the blessings, and have now become saturated and cannot soak up anymore. Because when you become saturated... and you've not been wrung out, you have no story. And too many of us are sitting on our couches, are just seeking to be comfortable. We have soaked up everything we can, and we've never passed along anything God has done for us. And therefore, we have no story. See, the problem is, is that if you're not living in obedience to God or following Him, or if you're not trusting God with your life, then you don't have a story. You got nothing. And if you try to, to make it up, oh yeah, I am so excited about my relationship with Jesus. You should come to my church. I really love it there. And then you show up with your person, people go, who are you? Because like you haven't been in a month and a half to this church that you're really, really excited about. People will smell that in a heartbeat when you try and make up a story that you don't have. They will smell it in a heart being like, go, dude, thanks a lot. I'm okay. They'll know it when you're making it up. But when you talk about Jesus and what he has really done in your life, they'll know it's true. But see, the problem is, is that the only way to talk about Jesus in a really honest way is to get out of the boat, as they say, is to step out in faith and trust him with the things in your life, to trust him with your finances, to trust him with your kids, to trust him with your job, to trust him. And then you say, whoa, wait a minute, he really came through there. That was amazing. I didn't think I had enough money to pay the bills. And like, look what God has done. I didn't think I was going to be able to get this job and look what he has done. I didn't think that my kid would ever follow the Lord and look what he has done. I've got stories for you. 
that I wish I could share, but they're not mine to share. You need to be in relationship with each other to hear them. When you trust God, and he fills that space and comes in there, and he's really God, you have a story to share. But if you're not trusting him, you got nothing. So all this stuff about being sent really doesn't matter if you don't have anything to say once you get there. If you don't have anything to say once you get there, it doesn't really matter. Living a sent lifestyle is not intended for the select few. It's not intended for the pastors. It's not intended just for those old Christians. It's intended for every single person, for every single Christian who says that they are following Christ and they want to be like him. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be sent. He intends for you to be in relationship with other people and to be looking for the opportunities to talk to other people about the difference that Jesus makes in your life. So living a sent life, being equipped, serving others, those things we talk about here are essential to walking with God and representing him. If you say that you want to be like him, then you've got to be looking for him to act in your life. You've got to be looking to trust him with your life. And then you've got to be looking for those people he's placed you in relationship with and how you can share those stories. That's what it means to be sent. When you hear us talk about sin, equip, sin, serve, that's what we're talking about. That's what we think is important for every single person in this room who claims Jesus as their Savior. We're talking about that. You get thrown in that net. It means you. It means you. It means all of us. All right? Let's pray.